Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of redlegnation.com. Welcome back to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com. Joining me today, as he often does, also from RedLegNation.com, Bill Lack. How are you today, Bill? I'm almost delirious. Almost Almost delirious? Almost delirious with excitement of the idea of a new uh, culture in the Reds Clubhouse. Well, um, I had an idea you would be, we haven't really talked much about the uh, Reds' uh, changes at, at the uh, in the dugout, I guess. And I had an idea you'd be excited, but delirious? Really? Well, the only thing that's keeping, I, I'm inches short of delirious, and I'll be delirious if they hire the right guy. And I, and I don't know who the right guy is. I don't know who the right guy is, and uh, we can talk about the guys they're talking, that they're thinking about. But uh, obviously in our last podcast, uh, Joel Luckup and I discussed some of what was going on in the wake of the Dusty Baker firing last week and uh, some of the possibilities that had been coming out at the time. That was just a day or two after it had happened. Actually, I think it was the day after it happened. Now we're uh, over a week later and not a whole lot else in terms of uh, there's a little bit of uh, been a little bit of talk publicly about what's going on, but not a whole lot, has there? No, there really hasn't, but there, but there have been some interesting speculations, you know, and see Trent, uh, put an interesting article together in the Enquirer with some names that, that that are kind of ones that aren't getting bandied about, you know, regularly. And and John Arardi put forth, I thought, a very interesting name. Um, but let me ask you, what what do you think of the the, the Larkin and O'Neill names kind of floating to the to the around in the soup? Well, <laughs> I can't think of a single reason why anyone uh, would think that Paul O'Neill would be a good manager for this team. I can't. Nostalgia. Well, it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the only reason to really think. That, that's why people would want him. 
And he was a fiery player. Everyone knows that. And so I guess there's some assumption that he's going to get in the dugout and kick butts. And listen, Paul O'Neill may be a great manager. I don't know. But there's no evidence whatsoever as to uh, that it would give me reason to believe that he would be a uh, the perfect fit for the Reds, as I've seen being uh, thrown around. Yeah, but can't so. you say the same? Can't you say the same thing about Barry Larkin? Oh yeah. Matter of fact, actually, you know, I was uh, and I, you could probably go back in the archives at Red Leg Nation. And there are a few places where I said, "Boy, I wish they'd bring Barry Larkin back as uh, bring Barry Larkin back as manager someday," because you know he was. Uh, well, he's my favorite player ever, and I thought, hey, you know, this, this guy, he was a smart player. I thought he might be a good fit. Then I got to listen to him doing a little bit of uh, baseball analysis on television, and, uh, you know, he's sort of uh, Dusty Baker light is what, I'm, what I would be afraid of in terms of uh, old-school managerial thinking, and I really don't want to see that out of the next manager. Well, the other thing uh, so is... I think, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. The other thing to me is this team is built to win right now. And you, there is no way in the world, in my opinion, they're going to hire somebody with no managerial or no coaching experience that's going to have to learn on the job. They're they're going to hire a guy that's got some cred, some street cred. You know, now it may not be managing, you know, managing in the big leagues, and 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 you know, because can we agree that Brian Price is is the heavy favorite? No, oh, I think so, and uh, everything that I've seen read about him makes me comfortable with him as the uh, as the top choice. Yeah. Did you see the name that John Arardi floated? Uh, what was it? Wally Backman. Wally Backman. Wally Backman. Well, that's an interesting choice, of course. Wally Backman, uh, a fiery player during his days with the uh, with the Mets as a second baseman, and been a very, also, very, and been a very, very, very successful minor league manager. Extremely successful. Of course, you know he at one time got the Arizona Diamondbacks job in the major for, leagues and held it for what a week or something. I think it was three days. Three days, yeah. Before uh, some things came to came to light that, that you know, I, I just thought. Well, I think almost anything John Arardi writes is, is interesting, but I, I thought it was an interesting off the wall kind of choice. I mean, there's no way the Reds are going to hire Wally Backman. But I just thought it was an interesting. Um, let me let me run some of these names. I don't know if you saw this article from from C Trent. Um, he had some interesting names, and you, you uh, the first one was Brad Osmus, who's a special assistant to the GM in San Diego. He's a Dartmouth grad. He's known one of the smartest guys in baseball, and he interviewed with the Reds, Red Sox last year for a managerial job. I think he's an interesting choice or an interesting idea. Um, Delino to Shields. The Reds aren't going to take the guy from the Double A and, and put him on the big league squad, even though I think Delino to Shields, after watching him manage in Dayton, myself, I think he's a future big league manager. I don't know if it's here. Interesting, really. You're, you're that impressed with it. Yeah, I was very impressed with it. He manages an aggressive style of baseball. Um, it's hard to, to, to judge sabermetrics and, and, and managing style in the minor leagues because, you know, they have to do things a little differently. Um, next name on C-Trans list was Billy Hatcher. No way. I mean, for one I thing, see that. L- l- let me ask you this question. If, 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 if we stay in-house... And make Brian Price the manager. Do you keep anybody else on that staff? Well, that's largely going to be Brian Price's decision because he's seen these guys work up close, and I hope that it's not uh, going to be a matter of friendship or something like that. Well, I don't uh, think it is necessarily his decision. I think it's his and Walt Jockety's decision, and probably Bob well, Castellini's. Yeah, but uh, they're going to let Price pick some of his own coaches at least. Some, yes, I agree. Uh, uh, but I, I would not be. 
averse to cleaning the house entirely as uh, just a, a public statement, if nothing else. Well, you got to change if, if they feel like they need to change the culture or the, the exactly that would, uh, which is which, with which the, is the, the only culture. thing you can really get out of the Dusty Baker firing is the, the front office, the ownership decided that, that there was a problem, you know, with, in, with the culture of the team and the way the team was playing. Then to me, I mean, you keep Price because you can't. There's no way you can argue against the job he's done with the pitching staff and maybe even the bullpen coach whose name I can never remember. But the rest of them, they're gone. I, I everybody'd be gone. Yeah, yeah, um, and I would not actually be surprised to see them to see them do that, uh, with the exception possibly of Billy Hatcher, frankly, because because he's a former Red and he was on the '90 team, and there's a lot of nostalgia. That's one thing that uh, concerns me a little bit about this managerial search and the fact that uh, Larkin and O'Neill's names are, have popped up, and, uh, and is that uh, Bob Castellini has done a, in my opinion, amazing job. In terms of sort of focusing on and on the history of the Reds and and, and raising awareness of the, the history of this great franchise, now I don't, I do not think. I, I say that I'm scared about that, but I don't think he's going to let that color the way they go about this managerial search. Uh, if you saw the look on his face after the Reds lost that uh, one game playoff, this is a guy that does not like losing, and and they're ready to win now. So. Um, so that, so that, eliminates, be... that eliminates two of these names on this list because the other list the name on this list was was Chris Spire. And I don't see any way. I mean, he, no, speaking I, of Dusty Baker Light. No, no chance. Uh, Ken yeah, Griffey, no chance. Ken Griffey Sr. is also on this list. Uh, I, I don't see that happen. For one thing, they didn't even promote him last year. They jumped the liner to Shields over him from A to double A and left Griffey at high A. Um. Uh, Another name on this list. That, here's one that I think you'll like. How about Dave Martinez, the bench coach of the uh, Tampa Rays? That's a name that's been uh, bandied about just a little bit. Frankly, if we're going to go into the Tampa Bay dugout, I'll just assume take Joe Madden if it's all the same uh, to you. Uh, but you, you know, I don't you know think if... they're going to let him get away? <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> if if, if, if ifs and butts were candy and nuts, you know, we'd all be happy at Christmas. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but if I had my choice, that's a guy I'd take. But you know. Martinez is a guy that I think you've absolutely, his name's been tossed around, and I presume he's uh, looking to, to move into a managerial spot somewhere. And I would 100%, without question, I'd give him an interview because the way they do things in that Tampa Bay organization, or the way I'd love to see them doing things in this Reds organization. Now, it's not exactly a, a you know perfect apples-to-apples -apples comparison, but just the things that he's been sitting by Joe Madden's side and watching him do, and I presume they've talked through all these things. Joe Madden knows what he's doing, and he manages uh, differently than, than these typical by-the-book managers, as I call them. And so uh, I don't know enough about Martinez to know whether uh, he'd be a good manager, but I would, without question, give him an interview. Another name on this list is, is a, has a Reds connection, and that's Eduardo Perez. Yeah, I saw that too, and... Uh, Again, you know, uh, Perez and Ken Griffey and Barry Larkin and Paul O'Neill, we're talking about guys who now, uh, you know, Griffey does have some managerial experience in the minors, but we're, I, I think it goes, uh, it, if you look at these guys in a vacuum without considering their connection to Red's history and to the great Red team, we're talking to the 1990 and, and the and team and the big Red machine, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about Tony. I'm not talking about Tony. I'm I, talking about Eduardo. I, I know. 
I know, but but his dad. I'm, I'm saying there's a, you know, Eduardo stuck around in Cincinnati as a player for too long because of who his dad was, in my opinion. Um, and I think if you look at these guys in a vacuum, you got to ask what are their qualifications outside of the fact that they used to play. Well, Perez. Now, now, to be fair, Perez has been a hit, was a hitting coach in the big leagues for two years and was a bench coach with the Astros this year. So, I mean, he's got some major league experience. He does, but what what's what uh, what's out there? I'm not saying there's not some reason he'd make a good manager. There's not some evidence that he'd make a good manager. I don't know what it is. What what's out there? And it might be something you only know if you interview him. But I think it's difficult sometimes for fans, certainly, to evaluate these candidates. Because number one, we don't know enough about oh, their absolutely. philosophy and what they do, and, and number two, when they're connected to the great Reds teams of the past in some way, there's, there's always going to be fond feelings, and so it's hard to properly evaluate them. I think I, I don't know what Eduardo Perez has done, or any reason why I should think he'll be a, a good manager in the big leagues. He might be. I just don't know what the re- what the reasons are that, yeah. uh, to believe that. All the article says is he's, he's young. You know, he's only forty four. He's managed in Puerto Rico in the winter league, and he's highly thought of in baseball circles. The last name on this list is Matt Williams, the third base coach of the Diamondbacks. Right. And is you know, he's an inter- be- interesting guy just for, for working with Kirk Gibson, and you know, and I, I like the way Gibson manages too. Um. At least the the, the hard nosed style that he, that he brings to his ball clubs, which I think the Reds could use some of that. Um, but other than that, you know, I don't have anything to say about Matt Williams. It, other than the fact that this article brings up the fact that it, that he was uh, mentioned in that Mitchell report with his ties to to pay the Peds, and whether that would have yeah. an effect or not, I don't know. I don't care about that uh, from my perspective. But I don't know if the Reds will care or not. Um, you know, the the thing, and you kind of brought this up. The thing that concerns me about about Mr. Castellini making this decision is he's made decisions in the past, in my opinion, to please the fans. I think the I think the the Phillips contract is a prime example, and he cannot do yes. that with this managerial choice. He has to get the best guy, and and, 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 and he, a, even if it's a Sparky Who signing, you know he can't be afraid to to be bold. You know what I mean? Which. Exactly, and that's probably going to mean taking a back seat and letting his baseball people make this decision. Which you hope is what happens. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, whether we can trust the baseball people to make this decision, that's a little different question. Yeah, yeah. Walt uh, Jockety has done uh, more right than he's done wrong, I'd say. So, um, and I think everyone is fully aware that. This team needs a uh, a different type of manager. This is a very important decision for this franchise. So I, I presume they're going into it with the adequate amount of seriousness. I think in terms of what kind of manager they need, there's been a lot of talk about, for example, with Brian Price, uh, the way he approaches uh, people, the way he holds people accountable. Yep. I, have a re- I have a real feeling they're going to go. You mentioned the fiery type of guy, a guy like Walt, uh, Matt Williams or uh, – or Wally Backman, for example, and I don't know that Brian Price is fiery, but all the reports are that he does. Uh, he doesn't let, let, doesn't let his players get away with a whole lot. He holds them accountable, and I think there's almost no question, in my opinion, that if if possible, they're going to get a manager who is uh, 
not as laid back as our previous uh, our previous skipper, a guy that's not going to manage in uh, September and October like it's a mid-May game yeah. uh, businessman special. So, uh, you agree they're probably going to go for a top, some sort of a, a fiery, fiery type manager? I, I I don't know. I'm like you. I, I think the biggest thing is that they've got to ratchet up the intensity in the in the clubhouse. The laissez-faire manner in which this team played at least the last two years, in my opinion, under Dusty Baker. It wasn't just this year. It was last year also, I thought, especially late in the year when you got when you got to ratchet it up. I mean, they had their – last year they had their foot on the necks of the San Francisco Giants, and they let them off the bat. And, and you, you know, there's – I hate to go back to using Dusty's thing, but there was no sense of urgency. None whatsoever, and there never was this season ever. No. Nope. They always they always played like there was another game tomorrow. I mean, even the la- last game of the year. You know, you're yeah. oh, absolutely. you bring in Logan Andrusic. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Logan Andrusic threw more pitches than anybody in that game, other than Johnny Cueto, the starter. That 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 alone still blows my mind in a do or die game. Logan Andrusic. And, and I'm not saying, you know, there were years that we'd have been thrilled to have Logan Andrusic on this team. And I still think he serves a purpose. But when it's do or die, he ain't the, he's not the guy that we go to, you know. Anyway. No, I agree. Logan Andrusic and Alfredo Simon got to pitch and Aroldis Chapman. No. Um, so, they're, you know, in a... In a, in a Capsulized form. So I think we, yeah, case I, for getting rid of Dusty. I think we've beaten the managerial position to death here. You know, I, you know, I, I, I think. Well, do you have any? Do you have any preference for a manager, or do you not know enough? Or I, I, for one thing, I don't know enough. But I, I, if, if it isn't Brian Price, I'm going to be very surprised because I think that the only way that they're going to hang on to Brian Price is by making him the manager. I don't think you. I don't think you could bring in. John McGraw, you know, prop his dead butt up in the dugout and keep Brian Price because Brian Price is going to go somewhere where he's got a, an opportunity to manage. And if it's not here, it's going to be somewhere else. Um, and, and you have to wonder when he turned down, and by all reports, he turned down the job, I believe, with the Marlins last year. Yes. And, and the belief that he was going to, he was the heir apparent here, uh, I, I, I believe. Um, and, and if that's the case, you know, it's time to, you know, to, to, to hold to your word. And, 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 you know, like I said, I don't know enough about Brian Price. I read the quotes from Bronson Arroyo. Um, some, some other, you know, some other things have been said. And, and he seems like he brings the right combination of things to the table. And if they can hire the, you know, the, you know, the right rest of the coaching staff, I, I think it can be a good fit. But if, if it's not yeah. Brian Price, I'll be very surprised. I think he's the leader in the clubhouse really yeah. at this point, and uh, and I would actually like you. I would be a little surprised if it weren't Brian Price. I'm I'm fine with Price, which is surprising to say. Uh, of course, then again, you know, I uh, I went my my old college, uh, the University of Virginia. They hired a, a football coach three years ago, and at the time, I said, "Boy, I, you know, I'm really happy with this hire. This is a great hire." And of course, they're on their way to a two-win season this year. So there's a lot I don't know about uh, coaching searches. But uh, from everything I've heard about Brian Price, I have no problem with giving him a chance. Now, earlier this week, just to make one final point on the managerial search, I've been sort of following the 
managerial search of the Mariners because you know Brian Price spent a lot of years in the within the Mariners organization, and that's that's the place I always sort of felt if the Reds were going to lose him, it's going to be to Seattle because yep. they're looking for a manager this mm-hmm. year as well. And I saw an article earlier this week that they have put on, and the quote was, they put on the full court press to try to talk Sweet Lou Pinelli to come in out of uh, retirement to manage them. See, that's a and, see, that's a nostalgia hire to me. Well, it's one hundred percent for them because you know he's the best manager in their history, clearly. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know Lou's got some uh, uh, a nice line on his resume from Cincinnati as well. And I thought, boy, if, if Lou Pinelli starts entertaining offers to come back to manage. We're going to start seeing rumors that the Reds are going after him. Now, of course, Pinello's response was, forget about it. I'm retired. I'm doing, you know, 10 or 15 games a year with the Yankees, and I'm very happy doing that. No interest to in get back in the dugout. But um, talk about a nostalgia hire. Uh, Twitter would have gone insane if uh, it turned out that uh, Lou Pinello was a, a manager. Yeah, so if, if, he was, if he was looking for a job again. Yeah, so. Okay, well, we've discussed what ultimately occurred in the 2013 season in terms of uh, Dusty Baker getting released and you're continue to be delirious over that and I imagine you will be for quite some time until the first time Brian Price orders a sacrifice bunt but let's uh let's take a look back at 2013 if we could we were a couple weeks out week and a half uh, since the Reds played and well they sort of played they barely showed up in that uh, one game playoff but since the season ended and what a what a crazy crazy season this year. There are some things that went right this year, though. You know, the Reds did win ninety games. That's not nothing. And there no, were years not. when we would have we would have loved ninety games. Uh, a lot of years. I, you know, I think about the mid uh, two thousand, and it seemed like a dream to even think about ninety wins. So let's not. I don't. I think I think we shouldn't lose perspective here. Uh, the Reds finished terribly, but you know, ninety wins is not bad, is it? No, it's not, uh, and and that's ninety wins without having the Astros in your division. Um, yeah, if the Astros were around, the, it would have been, been, been around ninety six, you know, or ninety seven. You know, who the hell knows? Um, but that being said, they won ninety games, but they finished third. And you know what? That's what yeah. it's all about. It's where you finish. Think how many games you win. Well, I thought that was obviously the way the Reds finished up the season. Uh, contributed to Dusty Baker's demise, but I, I thought if you if you look at it uh, in a vacuum, yeah, Dusty won ninety plus games three straight years. But this year he won seven fewer games. Uh, the Reds were you know fighting last year for the best record in the National League by the end of the season. This year they won seven fewer and finished in third. I think that's a substantial difference uh, yep. just year to year. And when, when the Reds had decided they were going to go all in this year, when you look up at the end of the year and you see that they finished two spots lower in the in the division and seven games uh, lighter in the win column, D- Dusty Baker's case for sticking around seems a little bit, uh, a little bit less impressive. Um, any, anything that pops out at you that sort of went right this year, since you suit you, I developed a serious man crush on him early, and it held all year. I just think he's a heck of a player. I, I love watching him play baseball. Uh, and it, you know, they talked about his defense in center field. And after the first couple of weeks, maybe the first month, you didn't hear much about it anymore. Was he a Gold Glover out there? No. 
but he, he, he hustled and he, you know, he made good decisions for the most part and, and, and defensively. And what he did offensively for this team, I don't think you can complain about. Well, defensively, obviously, he should have been in left field. He was, uh, he was a below average center fielder. He wasn't brutal in center field, but he was a slightly below average, uh, according to the advanced metrics. But, but, which are kind of, which are kind of a crapshoot, to be honest. I mean, a, I don't yeah, look. exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. not. Uh, yeah, that's not the be all and end all. Um, and just watching him every day, there were a few times where we thought, boy, you know, uh, Drew Stubbs would have gotten that. But of course, Drew Stubbs is one of the best uh, defensive yeah. center fielders we've had. So um, I, I don't have a single problem, not one, with what Shinsu Chu brought to the team this year. I, I didn't mean to start out by, by yeah. uh, you know, insinuating well, that I did. And you, and you hear, like you hear, you. and you hear the complaints about him versus left-handed pitching. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, when you got an on, when you got a, a leadoff hitter, and, and he, you know, and on, for, against the bad, you know, against the left-handers where he struggles, and his on-base percentage is still up around three fifty, uh, I'll take that. <laughs> oh, how, how many years have we been desperate for a leadoff hitter? That is their overall on-base percentage. Yeah, you know, no we kidding. We would have taken that just about any year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't have the first complaint about Shinsu Chu. And, and I, you know, the Reds are gonna, they say, gonna make an, try to make an offer and try to try to get him to return. And boy, him in left field would be just beautiful. But if, if this is the only year that we get to see Shinsu Chu, I, probably I will remember him more fondly than any Red during my lifetime that uh, spent only one year with this club yeah. because. What a great season, you know. Uh, you talk about his base percentage, and he and Joey Votto were one and two in the majors in on base percentage. Um, but he slugged four sixty two. You know, hit twenty one home runs out of the leadoff spot. Uh, scored one hundred seven runs. OPS plus of one forty three. One forty three. We've been desperate for a leadoff hitter probably since Barry Larkin, and uh, you know to have one that puts up those types of numbers. One forty three uh, uh, adjusted OPS plus. That's insane. And set, and, a, and set a uh, team record for getting plumped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it reminds it reminds me of uh, of the bad news bears when uh, Coach Buttermaker <laughs> says, uh, "Lean it, lean into one, Stein." That's right. Thank <laughs> God for the team. Butter in the ball. Yeah, uh, he didn't mind doing that. Uh, you know, crowd to play a little bit, turn his shoulder into one because you know what that on base percentage cooks up, and when you're on base. You can score runs, and that's what the uh, leadoff hitter is supposed to do. So, Shinsu Chu is going to make an awful lot of money in the offseason, and Shinsu Chu deserves to make an awful lot of money in the offseason. I don't begrudge him that. Uh, I just hope the, that the, the Reds are, that Bob Castellini signed his paychecks because uh, I, I doubt there's been a, a free agent in a long time that uh, I hope the Reds could re sign more than Chu because. I, I agree. I, I agree completely. What a, what a season. The, 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 let's talk about Jay Bruce for a minute. Let's do that. His this season this year was again pretty comparable to, to last year and the year before, and even pretty close to the year before that. And, Jay, and this is his 23, 24, and 25, six year old seasons. Is Jay Bruce what Jay Bruce is going to always be? Well, in some ways, and we talked about this before, uh, in some ways, his year does look awfully similar to some previous years. But I got to digging a little bit, and. I think that Jay Bruce is, if you look at his numbers, you know, batting average, uh, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, in some ways his numbers, as, as we said, are very similar to all the previous seasons except for 2010, which was his greatest uh, performance 
just on the slash and the, and the rate stats. And, and even then, it wasn't but, dramatically different than last year. No, no, I agree. But one thing that we, I think, discounted when we previously is the way offense has dropped around the major leagues. That's a good point. And so his numbers actually look a little bit better in that context. And a matter of fact, he posted 5.1 wins above replacement, which is more than he's posted in any season of his career. It's three and a half more than he posted last year. It's more even than he posted in that great 2010 season yes, it is. that he had. So I, so I think in some ways, Bruce did take a little bit of a step forward, and, and nobody really noticed it because uh, it didn't show up as much in, the, in, uh, in his statistics. I think part of that, now part of the reason that his uh, wins above replacement jumped up so much is that his defense went back to being Jay Bruce like. Uh, gold glove caliber, yeah, Jay Bruce like defense. And his counting numbers and his counting numbers did go up. Now he, you know, he he played. He got a lot more plate appearances this year. He got sixty more plate appearances than he got last year. But his doubles increased. His RBIs increased. His home runs went down a little bit. He struck out quite a bit more. But you know, I don't know if his percentage jumped. I have I didn't look at that. Um, but I, again, if if this is the Jay Bruce that we're going to have, I can live with it. Oh, absolutely, and, and I think there's even a chance he may uh, improve a little bit more over this. But if this is what it is, this is an all-star caliber player. You know, five uh, wins by replacement is all-star caliber in sort of the rough uh, calculation. And you know, what, what more can you ask for? All-star caliber right fielder and gold glove caliber right fielder. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hit uh, 30 home runs, uh, drove in over 100, which should make him really uh, popular in the eyes of uh, Marty Brown of the talk radio guys. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, now the one thing that I, concerns me a little bit is he has traded a few more singles for walks. It appears to me because you're right, he got almost 700 plate appearances this year, and he's never had that uh, close to that many. But he walked 63 times, which is about what he walked last year in 44 fewer plate appearances. It's uh, it's you know he fewer the times than he walked back in 2011 when he had uh, 33 fewer plate appearances. Um, you, you hope, uh, uh, I guess, as they get a little bit older, they're commanded the strike zone. And I guess what my hope had been, and this might have been an unrealistic hope because nobody could beat Joey Votto, but I had influence of Votto on, uh, I, I hope that it would uh, influence Bruce's approach to the strike zone. Yeah, his, his strikeout percentage did jump a couple of percent this year. Uh, I just yeah. looked it up. Uh, but, you know, I'll take what we get from Jay, you know, what we're getting from Jay Bruce, and, and won't complain. I mean, would I like to see him be a little bit better? Sure, I'd like to see everybody be a little bit better. But you know, you have to be realistic in your expectations too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, um, he has improved to where he's, uh, you know, pretty much a, you know, uh, he's a, an above average hitter even against left-handers. Actually, yep. nowadays he's he's become one of the better. Everyone still gives him flack for not being able to hit left-handed pitching, but you, know, you look at his numbers uh, across the board. They're not bad against left-handers, and, and uh, he's hit more home runs than anybody against left-handed hitters over the last two or three years. So, um, yeah, I, I'm like you. I, I hope Bruce gets a little bit better, and I think there is room for him to get a little bit better. He just turned 26, after all. He's It's hard to believe he's been around so long, and he's just uh, 26 years old. But uh, I, I'm actually happy with the season that uh, Jay Bruce posted this year, no complaints whatsoever, um, especially when you consider that he, and, and there's a really good argument to be made that he and Votto and Chu are the only three 
above average hitters in that entire lineup. Yeah. Um, I'll take what Bruce has given us. Yep, I agree. Uh, uh, how about we move on to, since we're talking, let's go ahead and uh, sort of talk through about some of the players. and uh, uh, what, what idea you had, actually, and I think it's a good idea, was to let's, let's grade some of these players. What grade do you give uh, Chu and Bruce since we talked uh, talked about them? Chu, I think you give an A. I mean, no problem giving him an A. I mean, the guy had a 143 OPS plus. I mean, walked 112 times, hit 21 home runs, stole 20 bases, even though he got thrown out 11 times. I, I don't. I, the Reds' base stealing is atrocious. That's something else that I think needs to improve. Um, Bruce, I, I give Joe, I, I give Jay a B plus. Um, like you said, he seems to have dropped off a little bit from last year. But like you said, with the offense dropping all over the league, you know, maybe that's not completely fair. But, you know, I, I give him a high B, uh, maybe a low A. Uh, plus with his defense, you know, a five, like you said, a 5.1 war. And, and, uh, and uh, now uh, Fangrass has him at 4.1. But they grade a little. I think they're a little tougher grader than than uh, Baseball Reference is. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Baseball Reference, and they do have different formulas. But I, I give Bruce uh, still. I give Bruce, uh, you know, B B plus. Mm-hmm. Chew, Chew, I could probably be talked into an A plus, given just the, how much better he was than anything else the Reds had at the leadoff position over the last decade. Uh, but certainly A is very fair. What about uh, Joey Votto? That's that's the other elephant in the room that we've not really discussed yeah, much. And, uh, you know, and all then, the discussion this year was about Votto. Yeah, and and there was, there's been some things come out after the season where Joey's talked a little bit, and it sounds like he's basically admitting that the knee bothered him all year. And he's talking about tread well, water and yada, yada, yada. And, and you know, and I had, I've had knee surgery, you know, scoped, and, you know, and now I'm not going out there playing first base, you know, 160 games a year. I'm concerned. At the, the the loss of power from Joey Votto for the money that they signed him for. And I'm not I'm not popping on Joey Votto other than his defense, which was absolutely horrendous this year. Uh, I mean, you can't pop on a guy that's got a 9.26 OPS, but his slugging percentage did drop, and 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 I'm concerned. I guess I'm not concerned. My question is: Is the Joey Votto that we saw this year? the Joey Votto that we're going to see next year? Or is he going to regain that power and that ability to drive the ball? I mean, he, he lost 70% off his, or 70 percentage points off his slugging percentage this year. Uh, it's a career low for him. That's concerning to a guy you've got signed to a long-term deal in a power position. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there's reason to be concerned uh, in some ways. Now, uh, concerned, you know, the guy still put up uh, six and a half wins above replacement. Uh, still led the league in on-base percentage for the fourth straight year. So, uh, concern, it depends on how you look at that. But on the other hand, even Votto has said, listen, this wasn't my best year. And, yeah. um, you know, he conceded that. And, and it was it wasn't this year's. And the question is, he's going to be 30 next year. Uh, I think you're right to wonder, is this the Votto we're going to see, especially in light of that uh, dip in power, which is a significant dip. Now, he says, and I don't know if it's, uh, what to say about any of this. I'm just uh, – Report the facts. You decide. But he says he didn't get a workout, really, all winter long. He didn't get to do what he customarily does in terms of his workouts. And he will be, he's, he's looking forward to doing that this this winter. And uh, and so he was just never right all season long because of that. And that seems like a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of an excuse. Uh, 
Uh, I just don't know whether we can, until we see him next year, uh, hopefully fully healthy, and see him, whether he returns to the Joey Votto we used to know and love, I don't think it's sort of up in the air. This this could be the Votto yeah, that uh, we're to me, with. Uh, to me, is, you know, is he now a Joey Votto number two hitter, or is, is he going to return to being Joey Votto the number three hitter? That's the way I see well, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't have the answers here. I wish I did. And it's one of the storylines that I, I'm personally going to be looking forward to the most next year is which Joey Votto are we going to see. you got to expect we're going to still see the guy, as I said, led the league in on-base percentage four straight times. I think only three other guys have ever done that in the history of baseball. So, and one of, one of those was Ted Williams, uh, Votto's hitting idol. And he, so, was, he was a pretty good hitter. He was not bad, you know. He was all right. Um, and it's funny. I've seen I've seen quotes where uh, people used to give him flack all the time, Ted Williams, because he would, wouldn't swing at pitches just off the strike zone. Things. A lot of the things we're hearing about uh, criticism yeah. of Vano. So uh, that's good company to be in. Uh, but again, you know, he still uh, got on base uh, 435 clip, led the league in walks for the third straight year, 135 walks, by far the most. Uh, and, and uh, you know, a lot of the reason for that, obviously, is he's not getting very many pitches to hit. And, and he's getting fewer solid pitches to hit than almost anyone in the league, according to uh, the pitch FX information. But he's making $17 million now. And, um, you know, while that's not my money and I'm glad the Reds are paying it to him, it's going to be a reason he's going to come under heightened scrutiny amongst uh, the talk radio crowd mm-hmm. and uh, the, twi- the Twitter crowd. And, and it's going to be the – it was really, in a lot of ways, the number one storyline of this season. Yep. Uh, and I, I see no reason why that's not going to continue next year. But that being said, I, I still give Joey Votto I, – I, I give Joey Votto a, a, another one, a high B. For his offense, he's in the A category, but his defense was so bad this year. And it was I, bad, wasn't it? And, and I've never been a – I've never understood how he won a Gold Glove. Even even the year he won it, he was to me he was average. He wasn't Keith Hernandez down at first base, and in his in his throwing is horrendous. Uh, and 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 I've said this before on here, he just doesn't field the ball in front of him anymore. You know, he fields everything off to his left and his right, and if he doesn't field it clean, it bounces away. Where if you field it in front of you, it hits you in the chest, and at least you still got a chance to make a play. Um, that's that's Little League 101 right there. It really is, you know, and it's something that I hope, you know, the new manager or whoever the infield coach is going to be is going to, you know, work him out. You know, like I think you said it the last time we talked about this. What's his, what was his name on, on Major League? Uh, Corbin Burnson on Major League, you know, when he's right, yeah, taking yes. balls off, you know. <laughs> but that yeah, being I mean, said, I'm not taking anything away from the job Joey Votto did this year offensively, especially if he was doing it on a leg and a half. You know, now why it took him that long to recover from knee surgery? That's a whole, you know, rehab or whatever. And we've talked about the Reds' medical staff in the past, and we won't, we don't need to get into that here. Let's move on to uh, Brandon Phillips. Oh, do we have to? Well, can't can't we just skip over him? Okay. No, let's talk. Let's talk about it. He's another one of the elephants in the room with this organization. Um, the, the, you know, Brandon season. Go ahead. You have something to say? Well, the thing that the, the and I and I brought I've raised this issue on the blog more than once in the comment sections on other posts. 
people have no problem disparaging the offensive year that Todd Frazier had. But take a look at his numbers and Brandon Phillips' numbers. Yeah, look at them side by side and yeah. tell me what you think. They're pretty damn similar. Uh, you know, Frazier strikes out more. He also walks more. You know, he's got a higher on-base percentage, higher slugging percentage. Uh, you know, I don't care that more, Brandon, more doubles, more yeah. doubles, more home runs. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we can't talk about Frazier cratering out and then give Phillips a pass. You, you can't do it. And, and if you want to bring economics into it, who's making more money? Uh, now, yeah, Brandon he, Phillips plays incredible, incredible defense at second base. Um, I, I am not real high. I, I am not a, a showboat fan, and I think he showboats on plays that he doesn't need to. Now, you know, there are plays that he makes. That, that play that they show all the time now, where he caught that double play ball on his knees at second base, you know, they right, took a yeah. funky hot. That, I've never seen a play like that before. I mean, that was just phenomenal. But he does the behind-the-back flip things at times when he doesn't need to do it, and, and, and that kind of stuff just makes me crazy. I readily admit it. Um, well, the other thing – the other thing about Brandon is he's a me guy. I think, you know, and I think I may have raised this issue on podcast before, is if, you, if you're at the ballpark, you watch and see who's the last red to take the field every game. It's Brandon Phillips is the last guy out of the dugout every day. Why? I mean, you know, they, for what, you know, I just, anyway. I tried, to get over my, I tried to get over my problem with Brandon Phillips. And, and I thought he had grown up. And then the thing with C. Trent Rosecrans went off. Uh, and and I, I'm done with him. You know, I'm glad, you know, if he, if he can help the ball club, that's great. But I would not be at all unhappy if the Reds uh, moved on from Brandon Phillips. All right, a couple, couple of things I want to point out about Brandon. First of all, and I believe that if the Reds can find anyone that will take his contract, I believe the Reds will trade him during the offseason. Yeah, I think they'd um, have to eat a bunch of it, though. Probably, and, and they may not be willing to do that, and I would understand that, too. So mm-hmm. uh, this, is real, this is really a prediction that there's no way of knowing whether I'm going to be right or wrong, but I, I believe if there is someone will take on that contract, I think, that, I think they'll move him. Um, now, with respect to what he actually did on the field last year, You've already said, uh, looking at the numbers, it's slightly worse than, than Todd Frazier's season. What I see is a guy that's going to be 33 next year that's making a ton of money and that is doing what most second basemen do when they hit uh, the early to mid-30s. They start declining. Over the last three years, Brandon Phillips' OPS Plus has dropped from 118 to 99 to 92 this year. His OPS, uh, just the raw OPS, 810 to 750 to 706 this year. On-base percentage dropped 353 to 321 to 310 this year. Um, when you look at his uh, wins above replacement numbers, 4.9 to 3.8 last year to 1.6 this year. Um, and 1.6 is really, um, that's really Almost there, there are a dozen guys, dozens of guys that could uh, provide that at second base. That's uh, that's bench bench player, Tory. So what I see is a guy that is in the middle of a steep decline. That is, has become he got his uh, got his big contract and has, has 
sort of quit trying to show everyone that he uh, wants to be the face of the franchise and has become prickly and has uh, sort of shown his rear end a few times, uh, to put it uh, politely. And I would not be surprised if the Reds are, are, are tired of his act and want to move on. Frankly, you said you tried to uh, to uh, to like Brandon Phillips, and he did. He'd won me over early on. I yeah, he was a little bit of a, a hot dog, and but then you know uh, he put up great numbers, and the defense was great. And I thought, boy, you know what? And and he was, you know, I, I, I like to smile all the time. I like a guy that enjoys the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he did. He he actually won me over. I was a big time Brandon Phillips fan. Uh, you know, and listen, uh, my son uh, plays baseball. He plays second base. Where's number four? Loves Brandon Phillips, and, and uh, I have yet to tell him about uh, <laughs> some of the things that Brandon's done that uh, are less than flattering because he likes the guy. But I see a guy that's in steep decline, and if the Reds are unable to move him, I'm afraid that he's about to become a huge albatross uh, around the necks of this team. He's just going to be. Uh, you know how many how many second basemen get better at age thirty three? Yeah, or, or even hold or, or even hold that level. You know, even hold their level. Exactly, exactly. And and you know, once his defense and it uh, by some measures his defense may have slipped a little bit this year. I don't know. It looked awfully good to me. Just yeah. uh, the eye test is is not a good t- way to judge it. But um, but I don't have problems with his defense. I guess let's just put it that way. But what happens when his defense starts to slip? You know, he, he battled some injuries th- this year. Um, and what happens when he loses some range uh, or loses his arm a little bit and the defense starts to go downhill? He's really not going to be a very valuable player at that point. Well, the other the other concern is to me, you know, you, you've seen the way he deals with people at times and this kind of thing. Let, let's, let's assume that the new manager decides that he's not a, a, a two, three, four hitter anymore and, and they, they're going to hit Brandon Phillips in the five, six, seven slot. Do you think he's going to react well to that? And how's that going to play in the clubhouse? Uh, no, he's not going to react well to that. Um, I, I can't see any way because you mentioned me first, and, and a lot of what times it seems like he is. Uh, well, that's that's sort of what went into the old uh, C. Trent uh, fiasco. How dare somebody question uh, my on-base percentage, you know. Um, he should have been batting sixth or seventh this year. I think he's not going to like it because he likes now this reputation he's gotten. As the RBI guy, and you know he got 103 RBIs this year. Uh, you know, I could have gotten 75 RBIs batting behind Chu and Votto, but um, the that brings up to me. I don't think he'll respond well. No, to answer your question, but what that what uh, that brings up to me is, I don't know if there's ever been a player that sort of the average fan thinks is fantastic, and even the the beat writers think this guy is superb. 100 RBIs versus the actual evidence, which is that he's in a, a steep decline. Um, but because of those 103 RBIs, so many people think he's a, a great player. Not a good player, but a great player. When when all the evidence suggests he's a below average hitter. Uh, have you ever seen anything like that? Maybe Adam Dunn on the flip side. Uh, people thought he was bad, but he was actually putting up good numbers. But have you ever seen anything uh, to match that? Not that I can remember. Now, you know, it's only been the last few years that I've kind of come over to the dark side, to the to the sabermetric side, so I can't, you know, look back at my early years being a Reds fan and compare it 
to, to that, but I agree with you. The percep the public perception of Brandon Phillips, at least this season, versus what you really got is, is so different than, than reality is, is and it's something I think the Reds are gonna have to battle if they if they A trade this guy or or you know, try to move him down in the lineup or any of that kind of stuff. I I, I think it's it's gonna be a PR battle. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, I think maybe if they could just move him, if they could just trade him, it solves a lot of problems. As always, uh, Bill and I seem to talk too long, so let's just wrap this one up right here, and we'll come back tomorrow with part two. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.